0: In this episode, my guest is Sarah Frazetta, granddaughter of Frank Frazetta, a leading figure in fantasy illustration. Following his death in 2010, Sarah and her mother, Holly Frazetta, formed Frazetta Girls. Together, they license Frank Frazetta's artwork, sell various themed products with his images, and are preparing to open a museum of Frazetta's artwork. Sarah, welcome to the Illustrator Studio.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Before we start our discussion, I just wanted to give a little bit of background on your grandfather. Uh, One of the pioneers of modern fantasy illustration, Frank Brazetta, began his career during the dwindling days of the pulp magazine. Though largely self-taught, he began taking drawing classes at the Brooklyn Academy at just eight years old. His first work was published in Tally Ho Comics when he was 16. In 1952, he began drawing Al Cap's popular comic strip, Lil Abner, in addition to working on numerous comic book titles. Following the end of the golden age of illustration in the 1920s, a number of artists continued working for the next few decades. Jay Allen St. John, as illustrator of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan and John Carter series, influenced a new generation, which included your grandfather, uh, Jeff Jones, the brothers Hillebrandt, and Boris Vallejo. Uh, These young artists began to lead the evolution of illustration away from traditional outlets like the newsstand into new arenas. The focus of many was on fantasy illustration and print, uh, paperback book covers and magazines, on film posters and animation, role-playing games, and eventually video games. Uh, Frazetta's illustration of Ringo Starr and Mad Magazine in 1964, drew a more mainstream audience to present his work, and movie studios began to hire him to paint film posters. Uh, this included promotional material for the movies What's New, Pussycat, from 1965, uh, Mad Monster Party, from 1967, and Clint Eastwood's The Gauntlet, from 1977. However, his 1966 cover of the book Conan the Adventurer propelled him to stardom. In 1969, he painted the memorable cover of the debut issue of Vampirella. His striking paintings of Conan, Tarzan, and John Carter of Mars altered the way readers viewed the characters, and influenced other artists and film directors, including George Lucas, who visited Prezetta's studio in 1978. In 1983, animator and film director Ralph Bakshi, famous for his work on the animated features Fritz the Cat, Wizards, and Lord of the Rings, invited Frank Prezetta to collaborate with him on the groundbreaking animated fantasy film Fire and Ice. Uh, Frazetta continued working through the next decades, often revisiting some of his classic works, such as Death Dealer. Although he passed away in 2010, his legacy is maintained through licensing and a massive social media presence maintained by his daughter, Holly, and uh, you, his granddaughter, Sarah, through your company, Frazetta Girls.
1: Yeah, so a a little background about how this came about. Um, I graduated with a BA from USF in Tampa, Florida in early 2012. Soon after, I was working at a post-production studio, which I really enjoyed. I was able to be creative and help cast voiceover actors and occasionally hop in the booth to do a voiceover or like a, a jingle for a local commercial. Um, at the same time, my mom and her siblings were going through a really bad legal battle and um, once once my grandparents passed away. So um, around that same time, everything started to settle and my mom, my um, Aunt Heidi and my Uncle Billy all gained um, equal rights to the Frazetta estate and artwork. Um, So my mom called me and asked if I had any interest in traveling to Comic-Cons and building a Frazetta brand. Um, At the time, filmmaker Robert Rodriguez was helping propel all this into motion. He was planning to remake Fire and Ice and was actively Mm -hmm. exhibiting my grandpa's original art. Mm -hmm. So he was creating limited edition prints and merchandise and really like showing us what we could do, the possibilities So I was excited. I was all in. I was, I think I was 24 at the time. (laughs) Um, So you could imagine, like, I really, I looked forward to having freedom and, you know, maybe building a business of my own prior to that. I never thought about grandpa's um, artwork or his career, like as being something that I would be able to manage one day that never crossed my mind. Um, So in, um, from from about 2013 to 2016, we kind of backpacked off Robert Rodriguez's vision of the brand. Um, we traveled to various comic cons. We exhibited the original art with him. Um, and, you know, at that time, I still had four jobs. I was working as a real estate assistant. I was working on social media accounts and just doing a bunch of things. And um, for Zeta Girls was kind of just like a a side business at the time. Uh Um, in, in 2017, my gears started shifting and because it just, it wasn't lucrative. And I really wanted Mm -hmm. this to be my, my full-time job, my, my career and bring my grandpa's name into the future and, and continue to have generations inspired by his artwork. Mm -hmm. And I, and I saw that as a possibility. So, um, I, I we stopped Comic Cons and it was really because I didn't feel like we were doing it justice. Um, I, I envisioned something like Alex Ross's booth at San Diego Comic Con for something for like like that for, for Zetta because sure. it's such a you know it's it's, it's so iconic it can't mm-hmm. be at a small scale. So we mm-hmm. kind of backed off and um, my mom stepped down from operating the company and my partner of eleven years, Joe. He um, took over really as like the creative director for the brand. Um, Mm -hmm. He has a background in branding, manufacturing, e-commerce, web development. So it was kind of like the perfect um, harmony when we came together. And that's how we really started to like build the brand for Zeta Girls online with the massive audience that you mentioned on social media.
0: Yeah, that's great. And uh, I believe at the beginning of the, the year that you had planned to open a Presetta Art Museum in Florida, is that true?
1: Yeah, COVID, it messed up all yeah. of our plans, <laughs> you know. Um, we actually, we had it open for a week. Oh my <laughs> and, gosh. Um, Yeah, and we had a few visitors and, you know, I think, I think everyone felt this way, like, do we close? Are we, I mean, how serious is this? We weren't really sure what was going yeah. on. Some of us still, some people still aren't sure. Um, but we, we did take precautions and we closed and, um, we are planning on reopening, uh, this January, January 18th, 2021, we Mm -hmm. will, um, be opening only to, um, small groups of like two to four people because it is a very small space, Mm -hmm. um, and taking all measures to, um, safely ensure everyone is uh, COVID free. So we will require masks and, um, like I said, small groups. Mm. But it is appointment only, and that right now is um, if you if you would like an appointment to go to our uh, you'd have to go to our website and then contact me and we could schedule something. So that's the tentative plan right now. Um, mm. And we we you know we have about fifteen original artworks on display, my mom's personal collection. Okay. Uh, we are trying to get my aunt to have um, some of her collection <laughs> involved as well. Um, we aren't sure, though. But um, there's also on display some of his personal photographs that haven't been seen before, his easel, um, my mm-hmm. grandpa's paintbrushes, and then some of his palettes. So it's it's definitely an intimate, small gallery. Um, I, I I think we could call should probably call it a gallery rather than a mu- museum.
2: Sure.
1: Um. But we we're we're happy and we're proud about it because that's that's the whole goal is to have everyone see his original artwork in person it's magical that's what you got you guys are doing two originals on display
0: right yes in in our uh, (laughs) exhibition next summer on fantasy illustration yeah you wrote a terrific introduction to the catalog uh, talking about uh, memories of spending time with your grandfather uh i just wondered what some of your favorite memories of of, uh, of him were
1: You know, I, I, it's kind of a rare thing to say, but I had no bad memories of my grandfather. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty special within itself. Um, We, we never had any kind of problems ever. He never had to discipline me. Maybe he just didn't want to discipline me, (laughs) but um, I, I only knew my grandpa um, post illness. So he started to become ill and. I wanna say the, the mid eighties with thyroid conditions um, and that really strained him. He, he leveled that out when he became he got on the right dose of uh, thyroid medication. Unfortunately, he had severe strokes in the early nineties. I think his major one was 95. Um, so I was in kindergarten at that time. Um, But, you know, what I do remember about my grandpa was before, before the major stroke, we, we, he was very active when we were in, when I was in Pennsylvania and we were walking the property, we'd walk for hours and pick fruit off of the trees. And it was just like, you know, something like out of a storybook, it really was. But um, my favorite memory, I have to say is our greeting every time he would see me, it was like, he hadn't seen me in years. Like it was ah, like a celebration, (laughs) And that's that. I don't. I've never met anyone that has celebrated my entry. So. Well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he married his wife Eleanor Kelly in 1956, and then she went to become his manager. Correct.
1: Yes, she did. Uh, and uh,
0: what was she like?
1: You know, as as a grandma, she was equal to my grandfather and being like almost like a storybook grandma. Um, she was just generous, she was fun, she was interesting, um, she had very few boundaries. One was do not ever call her during Wheel of Fortune at 7pm Eastern time, <laughs> otherwise she wouldn't talk to you for a solid week and that goes for all grandchildren and, and children. Um, so that was like her really, her only boundary and, and maybe taking your shoes off in the house but other than that, it was, let's just have a good time. Let's dance, have music, watch movies, cook. Like she just, she knew how to live life. And, I, and I, you know, after being a, in the business for a few years, I've heard stories about how she was and how she interacted with the industry and licensing. And she was, she was a little bit hard to deal with. Um, that's the the consensus of most interactions, but they also yeah. said, you know, that it, it was kind of it balanced out by her quirkiness and her ability to have a conversation about any topic. Um, she was very uh, well read and very interested in many topics, but, um, you know, she, she, she had to guard my grandpa's artwork um, for like very fiercely because he did not. He gave, he traded his artwork for cameras um, mm-hmm. and undersell it. So she was, she was the gatekeeper of his of his business.
0: Yeah, from what I read, she seemed to be yeah, she seemed to be taking care of his uh, his career pretty well. Yes. Um, over the years, uh, your grandfather received many many awards uh, from his colleagues. Um, in 1966, he won the Hugo Award for Best Professional Artist. He won the Chesley Award in 88, 95, and 97. Uh, the first Spectrum Awards Grandmaster in 95. Uh, The Eisner Hall of Fame in 95, 98, he entered the Society of Illustrators Hall of Fame, Uh, Jack Kirby Hall of Fame, Lifetime Achievement Award in 99, Uh, 2001, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Fantasy World World Fantasy Convention. And in 2009, the US Army installed a statue of his uh, famous death dealer at Fort Hood, Texas, which was renamed Phantom Warrior for the Army's Phantom Corps, located at the base uh, with, with all yeah. these awards and accolades, did he understand uh, why his work was so popular with fans? He
1: did. he he did. he he knew that he was very talented. Um, I think what like really solidified everything was when he had his documentary. Um, be, and, I, and I know that because of how many times he would watch it and just say, <laughs> oh wow, these you know, look, look what I did and what I mean, it was really like condensed into one, form of 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 entertainment that he loved the most which was film so for him to be able to watch his achievements I mean that he was just over the moon about it excited um you know and, and he took he loved he loved the praise but he also took the the negative comments to heart as well and his personality um I think more focused on the negative because it almost, in a way, fueled him. Like that's that's how it fueled his co- competitive nature. So if someone said he couldn't do something or they just didn't like his style, he would say, "Oh well, I'm going to change it up and I'll show them." And mm-hmm. so he he really had an outward drive, like for people. He wanted to please people. Um, so I, I don't want to say that he didn't enjoy his success. He did. He and he also enjoyed his achievements. But he was the type of person that would also more so dwell on the negatives like could you believe someone said this about me or they didn't (laughs) think my artwork was good and so but again that's kind of like his personality that's what fueled him to create to create and to be better
0: yeah and so many celebrities went to visit him in Pennsylvania I understand he didn't like to travel much and didn't want to leave home Uh, so he had people like George Lucas Clint Eastwood Sylvester Stallone went to see him was there anybody that he was especially excited to see
1: Well, he mentioned that it was cool to see Clint Eastwood. Um, He said that he really got along with him. He didn't mention much about um, Sylvester Stallone, um, but again, I think his recollection was fairly poor by the time we could have those conversations. Uh Um, I do know that he had a few people he really idolized and those people, the two people that come to mind are Frank Sinatra, who has nothing to do with (laughs) art. Well, it is everything to do with art. He's one of the best singers ever. Um, and uh, Robert Mitchum, the actor. Uh-huh. So I think he was he was very seldomly starstruck. But if he would have met his idols, I or like any of the Mets players or mm-hmm. Mets baseball players, he would have been, you know, just totally excited. But to to become excited, he had to have been a fan. And I don't know if he was so much of a fan of of the the celebrities he he did um, he was able to meet at the time. Sure.
0: Yeah. And it seems like in the, in the poster that he did for Clint was uh, the gauntlet that, that the uh, body of Clint Eastwood, it seems like it's modeled on your grandfather.
1: Everything was modeled on my <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> if if you really look, every single man is Frank. Yeah. Um, not every woman is Ellie. That you know, he'd get very angry about that, um, that myth. He'd say, why do y'all think it's Ellie? But yeah. he, he did base a lot of them off of my grandma, but he also actually in his early works, um, in his comic panels, um, he based a lot of his art off his sisters. Um, his sister was uh, Adele was a knockout, and I can go in and spot in his comic panels so many adeles everywhere. I'm like, there's a sister, there's a sister. So
2: mm.
1: I yeah yeah he had, he had a, a range in like who he thought was attractive. Like I said, he loved film. So he had, you know, a, a many crushes on women. Um, and, he, and he loved to look at women. And I'm sure that was more so in, in Brooklyn when he moved out to East Stroudsburg, that wasn't the case so much anymore,
0: so. Yeah. I was wondered about his painting style because I, I've heard that he was able to do a painting in one day and he was often very uh, proud of how quickly he could do an artwork. Is, is, that, is that an urban legend or is, or is that true? <laughs>
1: You know, I, I know he could do his inks incredibly fast and just mm-hmm. do them in a day, a couple hours, as most of his drawings. But um, the quickest I know that he he did um, an oil painting was Neanderthals, and that was in two nights. I think oh, wow. he he I I, he, I know he said it was one night, but the way that it has to dry <laughs> it, <Sure. laughs> I but but you know he he liked to he liked to exaggerate. He liked to tell stories. So over time, his stories would become <laughs> sure. a little bit more unrealistic better yeah yeah
0: it, is it true that he would he would touch up paintings after after several years he would kind of find things and touch <laughs> them up
1: he was never I mean there were paintings that he was like it's done it's perfect I don't yeah. have to change anything but if he didn't feel that way about a painting oh yes he would go in and redo the face and the body over and over and over again. Um, Actually, right before he passed away, he was working on the National Lampoon cover. I cannot recall which issue it was, but it was um, originally a blonde woman tied to a totem pole and um, she was being attacked. And he actually changed, he stripped it so many times that it became like almost like a white blur. And -hmm. then it became like, we 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 think it became like a ghost of my grandma. It looked like my grandma, like mm. as an like as an older woman, um, but as a ghost. So now he was not feeling well. Then he was painting with his left hand. So mm-hmm. at the end, anytime he got any of the artwork, my grandma would be like, "Get away from it! Don't touch <laughs> it!" But but you know, through mostly throughout his career before he had to be um, left-handed, he he usually did justice to the art. There were there were a few instances where. I look back and say, "Oh no! Why did he do that?" Um, now, he did one being,
0: Egyptian queen, the face on that, right?
1: He did, and I, I think that change was um, necessary, mm-hmm. uh, just for for the sake of the painting itself. Um, the, the original face was perfect on the, because it was a cover for creepy. So mm-hmm. it was a she was afraid that the the, the panther is um, coming at her. So it it really emoted what it w- what it needed to. But when mm-hmm. he got it back, he and he wanted to hang it in his museum. One day, he wanted her to have a softer, more beautiful <laughs> face with like a just a resting. Which I think it it goes into the narrative of just her being at ease with anything coming. So you know, you can it's fantasy art. You can sure. you know make it the storyline whatever you want to, which is the yeah. beauty of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And uh, Norman Rockwell, he couldn't paint anything without the use of photography. And I was wondering if, uh, if your grandfather, if he used any models or photographs, or if you worked from memory.
1: So that was another um, urban legend. Um, uh-huh. Over the years, he claimed he never used photo references,
2: that's but what I um, <laughs> yeah,
1: and that's the, a lie. So um, in his in his early years, when he was doing comics and working for a Little Ab um, for Al Cap for Little Abner, yeah. he would actually go onto the rooftop and like around Brooklyn with uh, Roy Crankle and his and the Flegel Gang. So those guys would help each other out like that pack of artists and they would get the references. And so he, I think um, he was able to do a lot from memory when he was working like in the sixties and seventies because of how many references he had in those early years and how much like assistance he had. Um, and then, you know, there, There were drawings later like in the early early 90s and like the mid 80s where we actually would find the drawing and then i found the picture of my grandma that matched the exact drawing so Mm -hmm. we we're gonna we're going to publish those one day just because i i think i think it's just important to to tell the truth about an artist and that's how you propel a legacy you have to you have to give truth but I, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with using photographs. I mean, that's no, sweet. sure. That's how you learn.
0: Well, <laughs> most illustrators do, yeah. Right. But uh, I
1: can't remember anything. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> has there been a, a really well done biography on, on your grandfather?
1: Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, a painting with fire, I would say, mm-hmm. would was the was the um, the best one so far. But we are working on that. Um, we're working on more publishing and mm-hmm. hopefully more biographies will be included in, in those projects that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we would love to have another documentary. It's just going to probably, it's going to probably take a few years for sure. that to yeah. be complete. And then, like you said, to, to be able to like, tell the, the truth of Frank Frazetta and who he yeah. was.
0: Yeah. All right. That's great. Um, so, let's see, uh, when he did What's New Pussycat, he was paid about $4,000, um, but last year the Egyptian Queen painting sold for five and a half million, uh, so I was wondering, what what do you think he would think about about his artwork selling for that month?
1: So he, I, I know what he would think because um, he actually broke a record when he was alive, they sold uh-huh. um, Conan the Destroyer, and that sold for 1.5 million so he knew about it he didn't think anything about the actual money and what he could <laughs> buy with it again he was competitive so he was thinking of I just broke a record I'm so happy <laughs> um I mean my, my grandpa was very humble when it came to um just uh, material things the most he would spend would be on like a camera but those were usually traded so mm-hmm. he he was he was very frugal um and he I I just I think he would have just been really proud again that he broke another record and he would wanna just keep seeing them go higher and higher and say, look, look what I did. Look what I did for everyone. <laughs>
0: He'd right. be
1: very pleased.
0: <laughs> right. And do you have any favorite images that he painted?
1: My favorites vary from day to day. I, I look at his artwork so much because this is now my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but lately I've been really loving um, his space themes. So like dream flight, space encounter, and I, I I really love the way he textured the planets mm-hmm. um, and like the the space um, themes and the girls the fairies so so right now those are my personal favorites but I mean it it's kind of incredible and I, I think all Frizetta fans like know this already but because I'm somewhat new into understanding his. His career and like the immense like impact he's had on culture. Mm -hmm. I haven't studied it as much as some of his fans that have been lifelong fans. And when I look into the backgrounds, I still find like little surprises. Like, is that a face? And and and, like even in like the Coney and the Barbarian, the Coney and the Adventurer. Mm -hmm. If you look in the back, there's such like a Renaissance feel about it. And that's what I think was so amazing how he paired like Renaissance art with fantasy art and like created his own, completely his own style. Mm-hmm. And um, so so yeah, My to answer that, I, I really, I have some of that I, I don't really prefer, but the most of his collection I, I really love for one reason or another.
0: Sure. And is there a certain painting or paintings that are most requested by fans?
1: Death Dealer is definitely the favorite, <laughs> Death true. Dealer one. I mean, he's just, he's iconic. um and then conan the barbarian i mean he's the two two icons i'd say the the top three silver warrior conan the barbarian death dealer one
0: and i've seen a number of your own original artworks on social media oh Um, (laughs) no you you do very well uh did you take formal art training or is it just part of the presented gene
1: so I never, this is embarrassing grandpa, but I didn't, I, I just, I never did any art classes in high school, uh-huh. but last art classes I did were probably like in elementary school and I didn't think much about it. I have, I, I was more into like people watching, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a people person. So I'm very into everybody else. So school, I was very distracted because, you know, I'm just trying to learn about all these personalities. Um, but I actually had a surgery in 2017 and I was forced to not move because of the surgery. Mm. Cause I'm a very, I like my grandpa, a very active person. I was in the gym every day, weightlifting. So being, um, locked up basically in my home, I just like randomly picked up a pencil and I, I looked at one of his first, like, um, one of his first comic strips and I just started like copying it. And I was like, Hmm. And I was like, Hmm. I can kind of draw. That's weird. So then I just I I started sharing it on Facebook. And I mean, I look back at my 27 teen drawings and they're terrible. But I'm <laughs> and I'm I'm still <laughs> to to my like level of, of expectation of myself. I, I have a long way to go and I still need some more training. Um I I started um I found a couple art classes online. So I'm learning hands right now and it's terrible. Um, but you know, anatomy, like even my grandfather, after he was, he was about 15 at the time and he was, he had jobs coming in and Ralph Mayo, um, he was an art director at, I can't, I can't, I can't think of the company right now, but he was an art director and he told my grandfather, he said, listen, you need to learn anatomy. So go home with this George Bridgman book and study. (laughs) And he came, he actually went through the whole book that night, he said. And he came back and he said to Ralph Mayo, "I learned anatomy." And he's like, "Okay, you, you, you arrogant teenager. You have a long way to go." Yeah. But, um, but so I, I'm kind of at that same like, I guess level right now as like with my when my grandpa was like 12. So hopefully by the time I'm like 60 or 70, I can, <laughs> I can, I can feel proud of the work yeah. that I'm doing.
0: Yeah, great. Okay. And uh, your grandfather w- was big into sports, right? He he uh, yes. he was asked to be, I guess, uh, to join the uh, major leagues, uh, the New York Giants, in the nineteen fifties.
1: Yeah, and it was it was a lot different then. They were like farm teams, and they had to travel. And I guess he had to go to Texas. So, the, and the pay was terrible. It wasn't like today. They had many teams, small mm-hmm. teams. Um, I'm not well-versed in sports, so I don't know Me what neither. I'm talking about. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, always, I
0: always wondered though, he, he is for such a great fantasy artist, you know, fantasy and sports don't really go hand in hand. So uh, how did you he know, reconcile the two? Um,
1: for him, he, and, and this, I found this interesting. It was in an early interview and he talked about how he could actually, when he was um, working for Edgar Rice Burroughs and, and drawing Tarzan, he said that he could, in his mind, because he was so athletic, become Tarzan, and that's how he would then project it onto the canvas or the paper, um, just from his own knowledge of movements and athleticism. So mm-hmm. I think that honestly really helped him because he was so aware of like his own body that he could then bring that kind of movement and that energy into his art. But I mean, as for like sports, like that. He, anyone that ever met him knew that he would rather talk sports over <laughs> anything I mean photography was close second and then then art was if it was about his art then he'd talk about it um, but he he really like he loved um, his top three would be baseball um, hockey and golf and um, he played baseball all his life until of course his um, his his illnesses and he wasn't able to use his arm anymore Um and, you know, he just, he, he was such a fan. He he loved, he lived and breathed the Mets. They were, I think, pretty terrible when he was alive. So he was usually very angry about their, um, their games. Yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> I think they're still terrible, but again, I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> in <with> sports.
0: <laughs> that's fine, neither do I. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, I want to thank you for your time, Sarah. And on behalf of all all fantasy and illustration fans, thanks to you and and your mom for all you do to keep your grandfather's memory alive.
1: Thank you, it's an honor to do so. And thank you for having me.
0: All right, so please check out uh, PresettaGirls.com and our own websites, nrm.org and illustrationhistory.org, which hosts a growing repository of information with essays, resources, and biographies of many illustrators, including that of your grandfather, Frank Presetta. Thank you so much. Thank you.